welcome to Jews Taekwondo podcast. All right. Well, um, that looks like a good number of the people are have signed in. Yes, sir. Now we'll go ahead and get started. Yes, sir. Mr. Jews, our MC. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for um, joining into this uh, women's self defense discussion. Thank you so much to our uh, women that are here to talk about their experiences and just women's self-defense in general, uh, just to kick it off and kind of introduce you, introduce our panelists today. We have Miss Sherry Ombres, fourth degree black belt, and she is one of our head instructors at Juice Taekwondo, also a world champion. Uh, we also have Miss Carrie Katowski. Can you go ahead and say hi there, Miss Katowski? You didn't ask me Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> name is Ms. Katowski. So she is a uh, fifth degree black belt from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, she is also a world champion. And we have Miss Amanda Johnson. Can you go ahead and say hi there, ma'am? Hello. That's Miss Johnson. She is a second degree black belt from Reno, Nevada. Uh, she is also currently writing a book called uh, Beyond Survival. And she's going to be kind of talking about her own story. So just to kick it off here, uh, we'll start with Ms. Johnson. Um, can you kind of explain the story behind your book? Yeah, um, I can. As you mentioned, my book is called Beyond Survival, and the subtitle is Reclaiming My Life After I Was Hijacked by Rape. It came about after I survived being brutally raped on my campus when I was in college by a man who continued to um, kidnap and rape his second victim. And he raped and murdered his last known victim. And he's currently sitting on death row now in Nevada while also serving four consecutive life sentences. And the reason for my book is to equip and encourage other survivors to be able to reclaim the full life that they were always meant to live after, before and after surviving trauma. Okay. You've done Taekwondo for quite a number of years, and maybe some of our other panelists can kind of jump in on this uh, topic too. Do you think uh, Taekwondo really helped in that situation? And for the other panelists, did does Taekwondo um, how has that kind of helped in your life as well in self-defense? So I will say that, I mean, I'll share that my story with Taekwondo is probably a little bit different than most. I was five when my parents told me that I needed to get my second degree black belt to get my driver's license when I turned 16. <laughs> and um, I was eight when I realized that that rule only applied to the Collins household and not to everybody. Um, so I will say that, you know, I've, I've reflected a lot on it and I think that Taekwondo offers a lot of really good disciplines, but most more than anything, Taekwondo taught me to be aware of my surroundings and to be aware of what's going on around me. And I can confidently say that it minimized my risk of being attacked. And I, I have no idea of knowing how many situations my training allowed me to avoid prior to this. Clearly, who I was dealing with at that point in time was is a sociopath. And he 
he was armed. He had a firearm. And so um, the way Taekwondo helped me in that particular moment was just the mental state of survival and doing what I needed to do in order to survive. And then afterwards as well. So he was, uh, he was armed. He was. Yeah. Is that how we, he, so yeah, he, um, I mean, I can go into more detail. I was leaving my, my night class was got over with at 10 PM and I left with a group of people to head to my vehicle because especially in Taekwondo, it was always ingrained that there's safety in numbers and to always minimize the risk or minimize the potential for um, needing to use your training in that manner. And so as I was approaching my vehicle, I surveyed the area as I had been taught to do (laughs) um, during my training. And I didn't see anything or anybody between myself and my vehicle There was nobody underneath my vehicle. I couldn't see anybody from where I was at inside my vehicle or around. And so I wished my group a good week and they went on to their vehicles to um, the levels that were higher than mine, where my car was. Then it became abundantly clear that what I hadn't seen as I was approaching my vehicle at a diagonal is, was a man who was hunched behind the wheel well of a truck in a sedan. And he ended up, um, using a jiu-jitsu chokehold to render me unconscious. And when I came to, he had a firearm placed to my temple. And um, I would also add that I was less than 70 feet away from the campus police office. And I had purposely parked my vehicle on the same floor of the parking garage where the campus police parked their cruisers. But uh, the campus police office had closed at 6 p.m. And as I mentioned, my class was over with at 10. So I knew in that moment that there was nobody coming for me or that there was not going to be any help coming for me. Wow. So um, it sounds like you did a lot of precautions before getting to your car. Is there anything that you would have done differently or you would suggest to maybe girls going off to college and things you've heard to, you know, you know, be a little more safe? Um, So I have had a lot of people offer to me what I could have done differently to avoid my attack. And I'm not a big fan of that because Mm -hmm. I think that it does place a lot of shame and, and guilt and victim blaming. And something that I did not mention at the time initially is that I had obtained my concealed carry permit So I was also a licensed, I had a licensed firearm. I did not have it with me that night because it was, it's illegal to carry on camp on university campuses. I made the decision to get my, my permit when I was 22 years old, because I knew with my martial arts training as a petite female, I was aware that a firearm or I felt that a firearm was going to be the one main equalizer for me when faced against an opponent much larger than me in a split second like that. And so um, I have done a lot of work to try to allow students who are permitted carriers for firearms to be able to carry on a college campus. Because even though I couldn't have stopped my attack as it with the way that it started, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could have stopped it as it was in progress. And consequently, 
two other lives would have been saved. So you feel like that if you were able to carry your firearm, you would have been able to stop that, that individual from doing more damage to other people? Is that what yeah. you're Yes, absolutely. Any thoughts there, Ms. Ambrose, or share any other experience that you might have? No, that was exactly what my, my question was going to be, is that for those of us, you know, that, that hasn't happened to us, is that what would you have done different? And it's interesting to say that you would do concealed carry because um, I know several people that have concealed carry and people ask me why I wouldn't get that. I know Master G and myself and my family, we've done, um, we've done firearms training together. We've done several, um, several classes with, um, you know, using pistols, holstering and, um, and he asked me, why don't you go get your concealed carry? And my answer was always the same. I always think is that is, I don't think I would use it. So therefore I wouldn't do it. Um, I shoot, I'm okay at shooting. Um, I'm fine with that, but I wouldn't, I, I just don't think if you're not prepared to use it and shoot somebody, you shouldn't have concealed carry. So, um, but it's interesting that your view on that was that you probably could have stopped it. It would probably change what I think about. I, I'm still not sure if I would conceal carry personally, um, but I do appreciate those out there that are willing to. I want everybody, I, I would want everybody armed. I want my husband armed. I would want you next to me armed um, because I'm not willing to possibly pull the trigger. It doesn't mean that I'm against other people doing it. So I think that that was a very interesting take on that, that I wouldn't have um, thought that that would have been your response. Um, but I am curious is that to follow on David's question about what could you have done differently? You know, is there anything in your head? Because that's the worries. If the very first thing they did was a chokehold from behind. And she froze. Maybe too frozen. <laughs> well, how about we go to Ms. Kowalski while we're... She unfreezes. I imagine it happened yeah. much quicker. And as a surprise... Oh, here... I don't know. Ms. Ambrose, you got... Can you, you, not, <laughs> you, you, can are, you not hear me? No, we missed all that part. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you hear? Just, you, were, you were asking what I thought I could have done different um, because of how it started, how there was a chokehold from behind, and I don't... You went out after that. <laughs> okay, well, my, my question there is, is that we do train for that, but I imagine in real-life situation, it's both quicker and your your mindset is very different i'm just wondering if there's any advice what do you think there's anything we can do to train better anything we could do to be more prepared because almost every attack would be a surprise situation probably and quicker and more emotional than we train in class um so i will say to to that extent that i think just training, 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 so that it is a secondary reaction and that it's almost because your your brain goes to muscle memory when something like that happens. And so I really do think that self-defense needs to not just be, I'm not a big fan of um, afternoon women's self-defense seminars for that are not, I mean, I've gone to plenty of them in the Taekwondo world. I've also gone to several of them with some of my friends who are not in the Taekwondo world. And I, where it's just that one afternoon to equip women self-defense. And I'm not a fan of those because I think it gives a false sense of security, if you will. And, um, we'll leave. And my, it, it almost has that adverse reaction of what I was going for with my friends where they want to then, they think that they don't need to be aware of their surroundings anymore because now they're able to defend themselves or, or handle themselves when in reality, those three hours did not prepare them for 
what could potentially happen. And so if I'm making sense at all. And so I think that, um, just going over and over and over in the training so that it does become a secondary action for how to react when something like that happens is really, really important. And then also having conversations with people about, okay, the reality is, is that this is all risk reduction. This is not guaranteeing that this is not going to happen to you and that someone will not be successful. Yes, it reduces your risk. And yes, it, it takes out people who would potentially be looking for an easier target, if you will. But we need to have conversations too about what do we do after we survive something like that. And that's what your book is all about, isn't it? Yes. Yes. No, I think you're, I think you're totally um, right about the, the training. And I think a lot of martial arts schools maybe only focus on certain aspects and not really focused on that repetitive martial uh, self-defense kind of training. And so that's probably also important as well for a lot of people looking at different schools. Yeah, I would agree. So I want to ask, uh, let's jump to Ms. Kotowski. Uh, did you get into Taekwondo uh, for self-defense? Was that something your parents were going for? And have you ever kind of encountered something where you needed to defend yourself? Yes. I, um, so I started at 13 um, and I wouldn't say I went into it for the self-defense, you know, um, aspect of it. It was more, um, uh, I like the elegance and strength and the way I felt empowered, um, kind of got, gave more self-confidence. Um, and that's how I kind of started into it and then just continued on from there. But it, um, you know, the more I learned to be able to confident about certain situations, I can't say that I've actually been in a situation where I've had to use it, but there's maybe been scenarios where, um, I've probably been in a situation where it's something could have happened. Um, for example, I was in uh, Paris in college. I went on a college trip in um, over in Italy and some other European countries. And my friend and I were out with our group of people. We had just arrived in that um, city that night. You know, we weren't thinking we didn't go home with the group. And the two of us left the place where we were at. And, you know, we were kind of in a scary situation. We didn't know which way to get to a hotel, how to call a cab or anything like that. And, you know, they, we were approached by a group of guys that were saying things, you know, in a different language. It was kind of a scary situation. So we luckily nothing happened and we got out of there. And again, I've never been in a situation. Um, you know, I live in St. Louis where there can be areas that may be not so safe. You know, as I was younger going out, I probably wouldn't go to some of those areas this day and age, you know, you kind of become more aware. So luckily again, I've, I've never had something happen where I've had to use it, but in situations where I felt not so easy, I'm glad that maybe I was a little bit more prepared or had a more awareness of the situation, you know, or try to stay aware wherever it is. If it's in going to the store in the parking lot, other areas like that, just always trying to be aware of, of situations that I put myself in. Okay. I have a question for her. Yeah. Since so we talked about firearms, have you, um, have you fired a firearm? Just out of curiosity. For me? Yes, sir. I, I have one. Oh, um, and I, you know, to a shooting range, just the fact that that could kill somebody. So kind of with, on along with Miss Ombre's, I do not carry or have a license to carry. Um, I feel like if you are going to have one, you have to be willing to use it and you're willing to kill somebody. Um, and then also you have to look at, you know, there's with weapons, the area that you're in or the city or the county, there's different laws that some may be illegal in some area and you can cross the county or, you know, 
30 minutes away and it could be illegal with, you know, as opposed to knives and, and different things like that. I had used to carry this weapon, look more like a cat eyes, you know, and at one point it was legal and then find out later, you know, I got it taken away. It was legal in a certain area. So um, I do not personally carry any kind of weapon on me now. So that's kind of my, my take on that. So you say you don't carry any weapons now? I, I don't right now. I, I have something that I do that I run with. It's kind of more of a baton um, that sometimes I do carry if I, I'm running. But besides that, I, I don't. I would maybe like to get something like pepper spray, but I feel like something like that you have to have in hand and ready to use. And it, it might be a situation like you're not going to be able to get it in time, you know, be ready to use it. So some things like that. Okay. And what about Miss Amber's? Do you carry any weapons? Do you have a preferred one? I, I don't. I don't regularly. I do have. I do have. You know, um, stored stored weapons in places. So in the cars. In um, you know, if we go, it depends where we're going. Hiking, fishing, that kind of thing. Um, we, we of course always carry knives. Um, I would say if I were going out, it, the issue I have with carrying something all the time is that you forget to get rid of it. You forget to put it aside when you walk into certain places that you're not allowed to have it at. Um, I teach not only like when I walk into Taekwondo, but when I go into church or when I go and I'm with a lot of youth groups, I'm with a lot of kids. And so it's really hard there because, you know, you don't want to have a a pocket knife hanging off your your pants. You know, I don't wear a belt often. Um, So I don't want a pocket knife hanging off. Um, But that would be my preferred if we were going somewhere where I thought it was out in the open, somewhere I needed it. But walking along at night, I have it in my purse. I have one in my car. Uh, most important thing, like in a car, um, is that we always have is, is a mag light. That, that's, you know, for the cars, all of our cars have a mag light. You know, it's great that it's a flashlight, but they're there on purpose. Every one of our vehicles has that for a weapon because mag lights are just so, and they're the big ones for that reason, is that if you did have to get out of your car at night, you felt unsafe, you could grab the mag. And we lost Miss Amrez again. Frozen. You have another question? You know, and we have some guests here. If you have any fire walking around with be a knife, feel free to chat with us and we'll ask those questions to um, our panel. So just chat with us and we'll, we'll get those uh, questions out and they can answer it. I have a question for uh, Ms. Johnson. It kind of applies to everybody. Uh, you kind of talked about conversations um, afterwards. Um, and what would that be? How would, if someone told us that it had happened to them and they're kind of coming to you support, you know, where do you go from there? How do you help them out? Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, well, two things. How soon has it been? Has it just happened? If it's just happened, either way, you need to say, thank you for trusting me. I believe you. This wasn't your fault. And, um, And I'm sorry that that happened to you. That was wrong and it shouldn't have. If it's just happened, the proper authorities need to be contacted. We need to call the police, go to the hospital, get and have an investigation and fill out a report. Um, But those are like the first, those are the first steps. And then I think just being a present person in that person's life, it sounds really simple and trite, but it's not always easy to sit in the uncomfortable silence with people when they're um, going through that type of pain and suffering, but just showing up and being a, an ear to listen. And even if you don't, know, if you don't know what to say, that's okay. I always tell people just show up and shut up. Like <laughs> it's better to not say anything 
than um, to maybe say the wrong thing and then just to to just continually like reiterate to that person that you're thankful that they're okay now, that they're alive, that in that you're here for them, no matter what they need. And I think getting them to proper counseling is paramount also. Johnson, are you currently doing any other martial art? Um, well, so no, I have not been. I've done some jujitsu with my family, <coughs> excuse me, with my husband and my girls. Um, but having moved, it's harder to find a studio. And then we just grew our family through adoption. And so then settling in with our new boy home, who's, he's uh, going to be 14 years old at the end of this month. So it's a big transition for us. I do though stay very current on my firearms training. And as like, that is something that I agree wholeheartedly with everything that the ladies have said that if you're not willing to use it, you should use it. And if you're not, comfortable with carrying it and you don't, and that's not a reactionary um, instinct, then, then I have no business carrying it. So I do stay on top of that training. So you uh, just adopted a 14 year old. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. 14 year old male. Boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky you. <laughs> well, I think so. He's pretty, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have I think we have a question there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we have a question here and it says uh being petite and learning martial art does it help in any situation? Does phys- physique help? And what I'm thinking it's going to it's kind of asking is is there things that you've done in your training that you wouldn't do because you feel like it doesn't work for you? And we can go through all of the panelists here too uh because we do have some people much taller, different sizes. Well, I was wondering about this. this not petite. What's it? Like, <laughs> how fit they are. I think it's the petite part. Well, I don't know. Miss Ambrose, you said you're not petite. I'm not petite. <laughs> I think it changes a lot. I mean, I know that uh, Miss Johnson said she is petite. But, um, I, you know, for me, I think that half of it is how you carry yourself. Um, the martial arts training, you had mentioned confidence is that I think I'm lucky in that sense that I'm not, I'm probably, people don't look in a parking lot and see me as a, a natural victim. Um, I'm not petite. I walk, you know, with fairly amount of confidence and I do keep in mind my, my surroundings always. And I know martial arts has taught me that for sure. I'm always looking around, especially when it gets a little bit later, um, even when it's not, just looking around to see who's where and what, somebody sitting in the car next to me. But, you know, that is a really good question because if I were petite, I would be a lot more concerned um, about someone overpowering me, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, <laughs> I've not been attacked. I, so I don't know how I would react, but it, it is a good question for those that, that are a bit more petite. Is there anything uh, that we do at class that you would, you say, no, that is not for me. That you would never, like I would for, never. For me? <laughs> he says he won't do joint attacks. I won't do joint attacks. I don't think I join the box. I don't have the body size for that. Miss is frozen again. Mm-hmm. Once you start dealing with kids more, that's an incredibly a fourteen-year-old boy that might, you know, be drinking, and they get a little bit crazy. That's that's where that defense to me would probably work out fairly well if someone's slightly smaller than me, like say a skinny fourteen-year-old boy, and he's being a little out of control. Joint attacks are not a bad idea because you don't want to hurt them; you want to control them. So I wouldn't say I would never use joint attacks. I would never use it on a bigger person being my, you know, my husband being so much bigger than me, 
they just don't work. They, they don't work for me. I would have to break his joint, not control it. Right. So being petite, what was the question again? <laughs> Does physique help or how would you, what was your imagination on how you would handle certain situations because of how tall you are, how big you are? I think that was from Mr. Palston and Ms. Johnson. Both of you can jump in on that one. I would say too, um, I mean, again, it's, but with women, it's not, you know, you're trying to fight strength against strength. It's all about the leverage and trying to get out of the situation or get out of a grasp, you know? So again, it's not even trying to control somebody might be hard for someone that's not quite as strong to take them down. Right. So looking at more like the vital spots or the knees, or I, I would say in a situation, I'd probably use more, more elbows. Um, so I could put my whole body into it versus more of a punch, mm-hmm. you know, the legs more than the arms. Ms. Johnson? Yeah, it's interesting because Ms. Ombers says I'm not petite and I've lived my whole life petite, so I wouldn't know the difference. Like, it's just it, my 14-year-old son is taller than me, and it doesn't take much to do that. Wow. Uh, in the morning, if I stand up really, really tall, I'm almost 5'2". 5'2". It's all relative. But, I, you know, going through... I didn't hit five feet until I was uh, 17 years old. I think I just echo what the other ladies say is it's hard for me to even say, because I don't know different about being, I don't know different. Right. Do we have another? Ms. Johnson, is there techniques that you wouldn't use? Because, you know, you've probably learned the same self-defense the rest of us have in our normal Taekwondo training um, there are some techniques I, I think I would use just because of my height. I'm typically, I'm 5'7". And so, you know, some things I absolutely, I feel like I can do. But when I'm teaching girls or, or smaller people, I do kind of say the same thing is this might not work for you because nobody smaller than you is going to be attacking you. Chances are. But are right. there things that, you know, you look at that say, no, that that's not going to work for me, but this will? Um, so to be all fair, I have not done Taekwondo and um many years but um i'm trying to think like i think the 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 joint locks that you guys were talking about is something that definitely would not work for me i remember being in seminars and trying to do them on big grown men <clears throat> and i knew at the time that i was simply going through the motions and that i could never do that to effectively um defend myself and then another thing for me is just there's a lot of close contact stuff that I personally just never want to be that close to someone. Like if they're already in my space, that's totally different, but I'm not going to walk up to somebody who I feel like is attacking me and like reach for their, like try to immobilize them. My whole objective would be to get out of that situation to the best of my ability. What was the name of your book again, Ms. Johnson? It's Beyond Survival. Reclaiming My Life After I Was Hijacked by Rape. Um, it is set to be published at the end of the fall of 2020. So we're looking at like November of 2020. And we'll get the link out to everybody if they are interested in that book. Um, so, uh, I can put the link in there later, sir. Um, is there something you guys would like to share with any young ladies? With um, doesn't have to be about self-defense. It could be about uh, empowerment or things, anything that you would like to share. I'll say something. I'm um, sure I'll, um, you know, after I have two toddlers and they're five and a half year old and 
you know, I think having kids now too, it puts a whole nother level of perspective on self-defense and the way you kind of look at certain situations or what, what you kind of put yourself in. Um, just little things like even, you know, when they were smaller, like getting them in the car. And even now, cause when you put your kids in the car, you're turning your back to, you know, turning your back. Right. So you're more vulnerable. Um, so things like that, like nowadays I, I park right next to the shopping cart, you know, just so I can be close. So when I put the cart away, I'm right there not having to leave my kids in the car and go, you know, put the cart away so I can do it quickly, get in the car and leave, you know, now we go to playgrounds. Well, I mean, not in the, the COVID-19 era, but when we go to playgrounds, you know, keeping aware of always, my eyes are always on my kids, you know, anywhere we go, in the store, just always being aware in situations. Um, so I think having kids has put a whole nother level. I don't know if anyone else has anything to say about that too. It's um, I agree with having kids and that adding the responsibility aspect of it. I have, we all know, I now have a 14 year old son, but I also have three little girls who are nine, seven and five. Having those conversations with them too is really important of like, hey, we're about to go out into the parking lot right now. I need you to stay close to mommy. And when we get to the car, I expect you to sit down and buckle up as fast as we can so that we can get out of here because I don't know who's around us. Another thing that I think is really important for women to understand is that we don't have to always be polite. It's okay to not be polite and to trust your gut because that instinct is God-given. And if something doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right for a reason. And so get out of there and that you don't owe anybody anything. So if someone's like, oh, why do you have to be so mean? Well, that's their problem if they think that you're being mean or whatever expletive they want to throw in there because you're trying to keep yourself safe. And maybe it is just an off day for them or whatever, but you, you don't owe them anything. So we don't have to be polite to everybody and every situation. It's okay to be assertive and it's okay to make sure that you're safe. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Miss Ambers. Well, one thing I would like to tell our young ladies that are either watching or the ones that we teach as we're, um, you know, we move, we move a lot of kids from five years old through to college, uh, which is really, really nice to see. And um, I deal with a group of teenage girls right now. And one thing I, you know, we, we like to tell them, and I was having some conversations with them is when you do get out on your own, you get more independent. As I know, um, I have a 16 year old son. My last You might jump back in halfway, uh, halfway through the summer <laughs> as all of him and his friends get their. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got to it. You have a 16 year old son. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as our teenagers are becoming more independent and we have a group of girls at the studio, you know, that are in their teens as well. What I, te- what I try to tell them is don't put yourself in those situations that will expose yourself to more risk. You know, I, I know that Ms. Johnson tried to do everything right and, and it still happened, but no reason to add to that risk and keep putting yourself in those situations like going to certain kinds of parties, drinking, you know, watch your drinks when you get to college, make sure you know who your friends are. So it's really about your whole life in self-defense is knowing self-defense is great, but avoiding any confrontation is better. And so that's what we talk about is knowing your limits, knowing, you know, and for my son, you know, teaching our boys, you stand up for the girls. If you see something happening, you need to step in and, and protect them. Master Ju talks a lot about being sheep or sheepdog and wolves and you know we want to teach our boys 
to be a sheepdog. We want to teach our girls to be that too, for maybe another girl that is in trouble, um, making sure that they're standing up for each other and creating that, you know, that tighter friend group to avoid these situations. I have a question. We, you talked about your children and, you know, going back to the car. Do you all um, put your child in the car before you put the groceries in or do you put the groceries in the car before you put the child in the car? I always put my kids in first and then lock the door and then I'll put the groceries in the trunk depending on how many I have. But um, even when they were little, we lived downtown and probably not so great area and across the street was the homeless shelter and then the other were this church where people would linger and I was always scared so I was I was just had the car seats I would put them in and I would actually get in the car and strap them in before we went so I wasn't exposed they're able to not kind of strap themselves in but I do always put them in first the reason why I ask is I think most people do and I think sometimes what can happen is um, your child's already in the car and you get hijacked they take the car your children in the car and now, now, now you don't have your, your car nor your kids, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, not to say what's right or wrong, right? So, it's a different perspective, maybe. Yeah, sometimes if they're not, they kind of, yeah, it kind of just depends on, on the age, too, whether in their car seats or, you know, toddlers running around. Because then if they're not in, they'll, they'll run off. You know, while I'm trying to do something, they'll run off. So, it's, it just depends on the, the situation. Two-year-old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say to Miss Ombre's point about, you know, going into college, and I know it's kind of a different era than when we were in college, and now you have, you know, smartphones and Uber, right? Uber and Lyft that was kind of wasn't around when we were in college. So, you know, we're always taught to not talk to strangers. And then now we're teaching our kids or we're getting into cars with strangers. So, I mean, I always, my scenario tried not to get in Ubers by myself, if I, I would be traveling. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't have kids in college right now, but, you know, I think it's just a different different world now or, or with online dating, you know, people meeting up with people they've never met. That's just another another scenario, um, just to really be careful out there with all this. And I, I think to that point, it's so important that you're open with people about where you are, who you're going with, and where, like, what time they can expect you to be back or to hear from you so that, mm-hmm. and to ha- be vigilant for each other and with each other. Like, I know on my phone, whenever I go out running, I always share my location with my husband so he can track me. So if anything were to happen to me, potentially, then the, that gives another leg up of, of trying to locate me or, um, you know, so I, I think that it is a different world that we live in, but we can also use this technology that we now have to our advantage. And we should, instead of shying away from it, we could look at how to better use it to help us stay safer. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, do your children, if they have a phone, do you track them? <laughs> not on your phone. Yeah, he's been pushing really hard too to like get a phone. I'm like, buddy, you got to write me an essay about why you think you need this phone and, and tell me what you're going to use it for. But that will be non-negotiable. That that will be, we will be tracking him. And I think a lot of... Um, teenagers probably or children that might have cell phones kind of push back on that hey i don't want you to track me would you bad i'm sorry (laughs) unfortunately master you 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 asked that right as right as my son walked past he just looked at me 
He didn't actually know that I had it on there. Um, I think he, it's like, I think he did a while back and I just turned it on when I turned his phone on, I just turned it on and it's not his business. It's my phone that I let him use. That's, that's how, that's our discussion. It's my phone that I'm letting him use. Yeah. Um, and of course I'm tracking him. Of course it's, it's, you know, and until he lies to me, I have no reason to ever call him out on it, but I track him every day because he's becoming at, at, at 16 versus 14. He's completely more independent, um, gone from the house a lot. And yeah, I track him every day. I think that's true that um, time is uh, important. And if you're missing somebody, at least you have a starting point. At least you know where to start with. I think it's a good thing. I know that probably the, most of the teenagers or younger people might think that you're just spying on them. And uh, really, we just want to make sure that our children are safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always I tell my kids that it's not that I don't trust them. It's that I don't trust everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. A question was, is there an ideal weapon if you do not own a firearm? Is there one that you like? You guys carry every day, carry something every day, I guess. Like I said um, in our security, home security um, discussion, I actually carry a flashlight because I can carry that around all the time. You know, whether it's an airport, go to a baseball game, whatever, that's not going to get taken away. I had a, a, what is that, a karambit. A training karamba. It's not even sharp. I went into a vent and impact weapon. But I could take a flashlight and that's not a big deal, right? So do you guys carry any kind of um, everyday carry kind of old? I have that pen that Mr. Wold gave me. It's a pen and if you open it up, it does have a knife inside of it. Um, because the outside is metal, if they scan it, it's still just a pen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have that in my purse all the time. We lost Miss Johnson. Got logged out. How about Miss Katowski? I'll, I'll just check and see if she's okay. Yeah, so I, I again, like, I, I don't carry a weapon. Um, I do have a whistle. So if I, I go hiking or running, <laughs> but again, if I have my keys on me, I always have my keys ready to go. If I'm um, going to my car, they're always in hand. So I, I do have those and it's, they're always in my fingers, you know, and then I have this little small baton. And again, if I use, if I have it during running, but then again, I think in St. Louis, it's, you can carry a knife that's like four inches or less, but there are certain knives that are illegal to carry on you. So you have to be careful about, about what you're carrying. I do have a pocket knife, but it's not with me all the time. And Ms. Johnson carries uh, a firearm. I do. Um, it's interesting. They, you guys have brought up that uh, being aware of your your laws and where you're allowed to carry and where you're not allowed to carry. Because um, in Virginia, Maryland is not far, and neither where we live, we're very very close to DC. So if I take the wrong exit and I have my firearm on me, then for the time period while I'm trying to get back on route, I'm a criminal. I don't like it, but that's the situation that I've been become put myself in at that moment unintentionally i do have a flashlight that i carry as well that um has the the like teeth around that the edge of outside because um it's a good it's a shorter one it fits right in my hand it would be really hard for someone to take from me but even with that i would say no matter what you choose to carry for as a weapon practice 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 become so comfortable with that and it's going to be different for everybody everyone's going to have a different preference of what they're going to want to use and so it's going to take trial and error and it's going to potentially take time to figure out what works best for you given your lifestyle and and where you're at 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the first step is to make sure we, our hands and feet are capable so that if we need some assistance, whatever that might be, that you are able to get to that. So, Ms. Johnson, just out of curiosity, what um, type of firearm do you have? <laughs> if you um, well, yeah, I have different ones that I carry for different occasions because being petite, it's uh, in the winter, it's easier to conceal something a lot more. It's easier than um, in the summer. But I personally, I really like my Ruger 32 for everyday carry. And then um, I have an XD 45 that I carry also. Nice. If you have any questions, feel, feel free to um, chat with us and we'll relay those questions to our panel. What's our next question there, Mr. Chu? Um, well, that was most of the questions. Those are but a lot of them are Taekwondo <laughs> questions. Oh, yeah. Taekwondo questions. <laughs> some, some Taekwondo questions. Oh, yes, sir. So let me do ask you some. Ms. Johnson, you, you said you haven't done Taekwondo in, in a while. You trained with Mr. Barnes. I did, yeah. I trained with Mr. Barnes and Master Wheatley for a while after. We did a lot, we did a lot of pattern work, right? Um, yeah. And what do you think? You think that's um, good? What do you think? What do you think about that? As far as self-defense? Yeah, well, how does it taught? I mean, I kind of try to teach it, teach patterns as, I think sometimes we teach it just as a movement, but you don't actually teach what the applications are. I love to always emphasize that. What are we actually trying to do with that pattern? You know, so it's not just a pattern. Yeah. So I'll be very honest that when I was doing Taekwondo, I did not fully appreciate the gift that my parents were giving me or requiring of me. And there were seasons, many long seasons in my adolescence where I was there to just, and I did it well, but it did not spark or pique my interest. And so um, I think patterns are really graceful and beautiful and have the ability to look very powerful. But if I'm being completely honest, I maybe missed it, but it was never explained to me like, hey, this is what this can do for you if you're in this situation, or this is why we connect this move with this kick or this, if that makes sense. Or, you know, like you block and then you strike. That's why we're doing this. You're going to block in this pattern as if someone's coming at you and then you're going to strike back to give yourself the upper hand. That wasn't ever really conveyed well to me. And maybe it was just, like I said, I just didn't pick up on it when I was that young. So do you think that as an instructor that we should emphasize more on that? Um, I think, yeah, if you're, if you have the time and the ability, I think that that's really important. Sorry, my internet like crashed and then, um, I don't know, I, it's just my laptop's being fickle. So I'm on my phone now. You mentioned uh, earlier that you didn't really fully appreciate the fact that your mom and dad made you do Taekwondo. Is that what you, is it? Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Yes. And now that I'm, I'm in my thirties, I'm okay that my parents know that, I appreciate now what they did for me when I was younger. So there should be a, all our young people listening, your mom and dad making you do Taekwondo. <laughs> and even if you don't like it and you think it's boring or it's not fun or whatever, you should do it. <laughs> I, yeah. You know what? My dad, I tried to be like the master negotiator when I was younger and really 
use logic about how unfair it was that I was doing something that was just for them and that I didn't like. And my dad would just look at me and say, well, unfortunately in life, there's going to be things that you're not going to want to do that you're going to have to do to be able to do what you want to do. And if you want to drive, these are the rules that your mom and I have for you. I I just think like the perseverance that Taekwondo taught me because it's not easy. It's a discipline. So the perseverance and the mindset that Taekwondo taught me has given me a and about my entire adult life, certainly in just my journey of surviving, of having, continuing to be a person of integrity, continuing to um, have perseverance and just going back through all the oaths and of Taekwondo and the tenets of Taekwondo is um, invaluable. Well, I think that's uh, true. That's what you kind of say, the, the black belt attitude or... The black belt, and we can yeah. certain things. That's that um, perseverance or the indomitable spirit. I think we can learn from that from any martial art discipline. Mm-hmm. Any other final comments that um, you ladies would like to share with our audience? I'll say. Um, I mean, again, like was kind of stated that for me, it's prevention and situational awareness. You know, and then looking at situations, just trying to put yourself in a scenario where, you know, you would need to use self-defense. Um, again, if you're, um, in close contact, I've already, I've already kind of closed that gap, right? So trying to get out of the situation, doing everything you can to be aware, just like Miss Miss Johnson, it sounded like she, you know, gave all the precautions. She, um, was aware of where she was parked. Um, you know, the cops, I know some, some schools, they have security where you can call them to walk you, you know, walk you to somewhere or walk you home. Anything you can do using technology again, like tracking, telling a friend where you are, trying to stay in groups. Yes, Ambras, any final comments before we end? And, and uh, anyone that have any other uh, questions, feel free to chat with us, and we'll relay those questions. No, mine's just to the, especially, you know, this being a women's self-defense, um, you know, making sure that those those girls that are turning into women really take to heart um, all the experiences of everybody, you know, that came before them and make sure that, you know, they do continue to do this seriously, right? And they take it with them. Hopefully they continue to do it as they become adults and they use what we're teaching them, um, not just the self-defense, but the mindset, the attitude, and that should help them. Ms. Johnson, any final? Um, just to echo what the other two ladies have said, for sure. Yeah. And then just to, um, yeah, no, I don't have anything else. <laughs> I do have one question I just want to ask, and that is, um, you became a second degree about 16, and then you took a break, <laughs> and it was maybe six years later that your situation occurred. Do you okay. think it might have been a little bit different if you continue to train? I know it's hard to, it's hard to go back and think about that, but, you know, when you, when you yeah. don't do something, the skill sets kind of fall off as well. Just but, how- yeah, yeah. That's really hard to say yes or no. I think that my talk probably still would have happened. Um, there wasn't a whole lot I could do given that he had a gun. Um and then I, I just don't publicly share when I know I would have been able to stop my attack as it was in progress because, um, for many reasons, but also because I just don't want copycats getting ideas of how to do it better. Oh, sleepy. Um, look what you just did. But I mean, it's it's possible, I guess, but. 
but like I said, the reason why I decided to train with the firearm and get a firearm is because I, I was aware of my limitations given my body size. That's a really, a really long winded. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's about it. And I guess we'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for um, doing this. Um, I think that gave us a lot of insight uh, into this kind of whole topic and our changing landscape and reality nowadays. So thank you again for jumping in. We'll make sure to get that link out, Ms. Johnson, for your book. Uh, we'll get it out to everybody that jumped in here today. Anything else there, Master Drew? No, thanks uh, again for you guys for jumping in and sharing your thoughts and your experience. I hope that our listeners uh, away from it as well. And feel free to give us an email comment, and we'd be happy to sh- forward those on to our um, panel here as well. All right. Well, any other final comments? No. Mm-hmm. No. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. We'll see you guys soon, and hopefully, maybe we could do it again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.